0: what's up everybody it's soren baker here on unique access entertainment with soren baker i appreciate your support and we're really grateful that we keep growing as a podcast and today on this episode we're excited to have mac10 now i've known mac10 since the 90s since around the time that he came out and got big and popular but since then i've developed a great relationship with him and i've talked to him dozens of times over the years, both for interviews and just chopping it up on the side and learned a lot from Mac 10. He's got a lot of great experience and a lot of insight into how the game works and how it really works. So I was really glad to do that. And I hope that if you haven't already, by the time you listen to this episode, you're going to like our podcast. You're going to subscribe to it. You're going to rate it as high as possible on whatever platform you happen to be listening to. And then also help spread the word because we really want to get to the number one spot in the game and the only way we're going to get there is by keep putting out interviews that you enjoy but then also through your help so if you could hit that like button subscribe share and rate us as high as possible and you know spread the word tell a friend and today please enjoy my interview with mac 10 on unique access entertainment with soren baker what's up everybody it's soren baker as you guys have gotten uh, to notice i'm a Big rap fan, and um, just been loving the music and the culture ever since I was a little kid. And that's what we're here to talk about again today. We got uh, one of the West Coast and rap's premier artists, and uh, very glad to get him because uh, everybody's been telling me for a long time when I had my unique access channel that I should get him on there. And now, when I had the Soren Baker show here on the podcast, everybody said I needed to get him too. So Without further ado, we're bringing in the great Mac Ten.
1: What's up, homie? How you doing,
0: man? Mac, it's good to see, you, man. It's good been to a minute. See you too,
1: bro. Yeah. yeah always yeah.
0: good. And now the thing is, Mac and I have known each other for more than 20 years now. I was thinking about that on a on a car ride over here. It's amazing since we're both still, you know, young, relatively speaking. That you know, I've been knowing Mac since the 90s, writing about him, meeting him, hanging out, chopping it up, both professionally and just on the side. Um, so it's good to have Mac Ten in the building. So, you know, we're gonna basically go through Mac a lot of Mac's career, what he's got going on and a lot of what he brought to the game. And uh Mac, one thing as I was thinking about a lot of your history and everything, what you became known for, I always thought it was interesting early on mm-hmm. to take a hit. Cause like yeah. thematically, sonically and everything, even though, you know, what can I do was before that. You, It was like more of a laid back, not only how you your delivery, but even like the the style of everything that you had going on. And that was, on, of course, on the Friday soundtrack for those that forgot. But for you, looking back, what made that a good song other than the, the weed, I guess? But what made that the right song to to, you know, have a big platform like that?
1: It was just different. And it was just, it, it it was needed for the movie at the time. Like he was mm-hmm. like, I need a wee song. I need a song like this, you know. And um, it was actually a challenge because it was it was different, you know, from 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 all my other records. But it was a fun record. It was something I wrote like really easy, you know what I'm saying. But it was um, I remember taking it really well. I was I was was a cool song.
0: No, nah, it was, it's really good. And and the funny thing about it is, you know, right out the gate with your uh, self-titled album that you know full life and everything else is on that it's so dramatically different at least yeah. to me yeah. that i was a little surprised taken back but um I also i think a lot of people don't know a lot about your history as a person mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. so we want to get into a little bit of that too and it was just striking thinking about take a hit um so with that being said you coming up getting in the game and everything prior to you Inglewood wasn't really known outside of LA of course Mm -hmm. so for you uh coming up what were your music memories of Inglewood as far as artists or what you saw around Inglewood compared to what you saw
1: going on in the rest of LA area I mean I don't have no music memories of, 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 of nobody before me in Inglewood. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, the early music memories I got from Inglewood is like, um, you know, me and the homies rapping and doing swap tapes. We called them swap meet tapes back then. Now they mix right. tapes or whatever. They were swap <laughs> me tapes. You right. know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I, I remember that, you know, really well. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, you know, when I started to get some traction, you know what I'm saying? But before I jumped off the building, homie, you know what I'm saying, I don't remember no uh, nothing, nothing, not no, no music from the woods, you feel me? Right. Really. And that was uh, striking, because I'm from Maryland,
0: and I remember I knew Englewood from New Jersey. Yeah, But Engle, they used New Jersey. the E, yeah. of yeah, course, yeah. instead of the I. Yeah. And that really uh, threw me off, because of when I was hearing you, I was like, wait a minute, I thought this dude was from the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Little did I know. Of course he was. Of course. But that being said, what, um, because your history is so long and detailed, and we're going to get into a lot of that. What do you remember, like first meeting Cube, as far as why you guys worked together well? What he saw in you, what you saw in him, and why it worked.
1: It just worked. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying, Shorty uh, from the Lynch Mob introduced us, right. and. You know, I would just hang around. You know, I would just be around. You know how I was in the 90s. You know, them studio sessions was off the chain in the 90s. Yeah, there'd you know? be like 90 people there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, a- 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 after a while, you know, uh, you know, whatever's supposed to rise to the top, rise to the top eventually, you know what I'm saying, when you get right. a shot. You know, so I just think Cube, you know, f- you know, felt how I was rapping. You know what I'm saying? He's, he-, he used to always say that it sounded sincere. Hmm. Like you know what I'm saying, and it was uh you could tell that it was a lot of truth in a lot of it. You know what I'm saying, uh, but uh it just worked, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. It was just one of them situations that just worked.
0: Right. And then speaking of jumping off the building with the faux life in the video for that, of course, uh, uh, that was on the biggest scale, I guess. Your introduction to a lot of people after you know the bootlegs and B sides mm-hmm. and then Friday, but with that. Where did that idea come from, and um, why were you like, you know, what? That's a good idea to put in
1: my video. I mean, I was yarmed up in my birthday suit. You feel me? <laughs> yeah, okay. Mac ten to the rescue. It just seemed like I was supposed to jump off the building or something. You know what I'm saying? Just do some, some shock value. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, everybody talked about that when the video came out. Oh, I remember. Yeah, I you was feel one me? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, it was just we were just having fun, man. We was young, very creative. Mm-hmm. And just having fun, man. We 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 had a vision, and a budget to do whatever we wanted to do. Right. You feel me? And uh, we was just having fun, really.
0: And I also remember too, with the with the album in general, it just seemed like, as time went on and as your career evolved, I don't think people looked at you as much as they should have as a, a storyteller. Yeah. And like the first album, especially, obviously you had it throughout your career, which we're gonna touch on throughout the show but what was it on the first album like lyrically and thematically and story-wise that you were really trying to show you could do
1: just that okay you know what i'm saying i just wanted to show that you know stories was always the shit to me like i always liked you, you know like slate Rick. you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying i like that kind of that kind of rap you know it was always clever you know so i just wanted to show it and uh from my perspective Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Let you know what this what the wood car was like. You feel me? I want to let you know what Inglewood was like. You know, and um, what my childhood was like. So, you know, I just just put it together, man. Really, and um, I, I mean, it, it 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 seemed like writing was always like the easiest part of this whole journey to me. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's always been came fairly easy to me.
0: And what uh, by
1: comparison, what other things did you find not as easy? Um, to be honest, I really don't have no horror stories, no record company horror stories or nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like I never, I don't think I ever had a bad contract or, you know, got worked out or nothing. You know what I'm saying? So really the whole process was, was easy. The creative process, I should say. Okay. The business side was, was took a little bit more studying and research and, and, you know, really like uh, digging deep to to learn the business side. But mm-hmm. as far as the creative side, that was just natural, bro. I was just talking shit, you know.
0: And you did a good <laughs> job of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that being said, on the business side, you were one of, uh, you know, coming out in 95 especially, Priority was more known for the labels it was affiliated with, and then, of course, Cube being an artist uh, proper on Priority. Yeah. So what do you remember of aligning yourselves with them because obviously for those that don't know or don't recall they had obviously Eazy-E, NWA and Cube kind of being the, the main mm-hmm. people coming out and, and being huge for Priority but yeah. for you since they didn't after Ruthless kind of fell apart after Cube and Dre leaving and stuff what was it
1: right for you to go to Priority? Well Cube signed me you know what I'm saying and uh that was where he had the plug at. You feel me? Makes sense. But uh, you know, I would have told that Inglewood story, whatever label I was put on. I'm glad I was I was put on priority, right? Because like I said, I'm I'm fortunate enough to not have no horror stories from the record company or nothing like that. So, you know, I'm blessed to be able to say that. So I'm 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 glad that's the way it went.
0: And and this is something we've also talked about over the years. But what was it? about you in particular do you think that enabled you to not have those horror stories? How did you approach the business of the music business differently?
1: I I just did everything that I was supposed to do and so I just expected everybody else to do what they were supposed to do. And I expected us to, you know, follow certain guidelines. You know what I'm saying? If I do this, then this is what I get for doing this. You know? And and, and if you give me this, this is what I'm going to give you if you give me this. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we 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 just conduct a square business, man. You know, Brian, I don't really know of nobody that Brian Turner beat. You know, out of, I don't I don't think nobody got no horror stories from Priority Records. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, it was a, a a a a good situation that I was put in. You know, and, I, and I'm glad that's the route I went. You know.
0: Right. And then, um, with the other thing, thinking back to it is, you know, just off the top of the album uh kind of like playing off the Boogie Down Productions a little bit but that's not yeah. that's not how the West Coast rocks. Yeah. And then of course uh Westside Slaughterhouse being on there what was going on in your mind to where it was so important first out the gate to just kind of let that be known? Uh
1: I think I was just uh Digging my heels in, you know what I'm saying. It's letting everybody know where I stand. It's West Coast or nothing, right? You know what I'm saying with me, you know. So, you know, especially then, especially. you know. So, so, so I just think it was important to take a stand and, like, you know, at that time, that's that's just how I was expressing myself. I was just, it wasn't really no 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 disrespect to nobody else, right? But I just needed to represent where I was from and let you know how how I seen. Um, Shit through my lens. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a disrespect. Nobody else, especially in the beginning. Right. It was just I was just telling it my way. Well, too, I
0: think on the on the Mac 10 album, I just remember too the hunger. It sounded in your voice. And even when we get to (laughs) bow down, it didn't seem that uh I don't know if anger is the right
1: word. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounded like on the first album you were like angry when you were yeah. rapping
0: a lot of the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well well, I always say when it come to West Side Connect, I mean I, I rapped in the tone that I had to rap in to make the song right. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It was just me. So shit, dub might have dub might have expressed some frustration already in the <laughs> verse and Cube might have expressed some too and I might have said, Okay, shit, let me Taper it off a little bit, and let me express it like this. Or, you know, you gonna get records like uh, cross them out and put a K. You know what right. I'm saying? Where everybody sound like they they tone is like that. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I mean, with anything, no, bro. Like by the time West Westside Connect came in, you know, I was a made man by then. You know what I'm right. saying? So like every everything changes. You know, with millions of dollars, you 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 know coming to play as. A, you start looking at shit different and feeling different. And anybody that say that you don't is lying.
0: Right. And I think, too, it was interesting because at that point, you know, super groups were very rare, and they mm-hmm. still are. Yeah. But most people would have a group and then this band or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, like Dub obviously being in low profile, yeah. Q being in CIA, NWA, yeah. et cetera. But you guys came together later. Um, which I always thought was interesting and it worked so well. And you guys obviously had the three personas as well. So with the creative side of for you, especially early in your career, how did you navigate being a solo artist, obviously with a lot of people, but then so early on getting
1: into this huge group with guys that have been on for a long time? I mean, I was feeling myself as a youngster so much to I didn't even realize they had been on. Like, I wasn't even looking at it like that. I was okay. just looking, at, oh, you finna give me 16? Oh, okay, cool. Let me <laughs> go on and do this. You know what I'm saying? But, like, the group thing was always fun, bro. It was never no no pressure. You know, it was always, like, friendly competition. Right. And like I said, the creative side of of, of the music business was always the easiest for me. Mm-hmm. So West Side Connect was was. Uh, was, was, was A lot easier than a solo record because on the connect all the most I had to write was 16 bars right you Feel me so so because it was three of us, you know on the solo record, you know, you 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 know You got to write the whole thing, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was but but like I said it was fairly easy But the connect was was not only was it easy. It was always a lot of fun.
0: We've been talking About Mac 10's career for those that are familiar be sure as I'm going through all these songs and these albums man to make sure to go back and listen to them buy them download them stream them because you'll be doing yourself a favor and I think a lot of times it's important to remember rap's history and what got us to where we are today and Mac 10 has done a lot and I think that when you really look at his contributions to the game, you'll be very impressed and maybe even surprised because it's a lot more than you probably realize. That being said, Mac, um, back to bow down. Looking back at the importance of solidifying the West Coast in the 1995-1996 time that you were doing it, why – why do you think that that was so important? And as you look back on it, what
1: made it so important? Well, it was it was, it was was necessary at the time, mm-hmm. you know. The uh, West Eye Connect worked so well because we was being sincere, like for real. That's really the way we felt. Right. You know, because like uh, we'd be at the top of the charts, you know what I'm saying? And wouldn't have no radio play on the East Coast or whatever, you know what I'm saying? I mean, but they more than made it up over the years, you know, after, you know, the Terror Stress album came in, you know, I think we were probably number one on Hot 97 in New York, you know, with Gangsta Nation, but in the beginning it, it, it was, it was, it was necessary. We was just expressing ourselves, you know, that's hip hop.
0: Well, I have a very personal story about all that. Cause um, when I was writing for The Source and uh, based on a true story, Mac's second album was coming out. I got the opportunity to review it for The Source and, being a huge fan of all types of rap. And for me, the really only criteria is whether or not I thought it was good. It was interesting when I was reviewing the album and I turned it in and I gave it a glowing review. As you may recall, it was a very, very positive review. And I'll never forget the dude that was my editor at the time was like, are you sure? Like, it's really that good? And I was like, nah, man, this is like an amazing album. It's like (laughs) rock solid, top to bottom, start to finish. And it just was, like, so striking to him that how I wrote the review, like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't think people could look at a uh, Mac-10 album or West Coast or Whatever he was thinking, he never uh, specified what it was. But it was just striking to me that it was so foreign to him.
1: That's why we went at him.
0: <laughs> well that goes back to all the critics in new york <laughs> cuz i remember i remember man and you know some of these stories cuz i've told you guys over the years but it was just crazy that you know west coast and southern and midwest really had been so prominent dominant influential but still was getting so you know not accepted and acknowledged
1: yeah and uh, that that just always was so weird to me, you know. It, it, that's the way the ball bounced sometimes, right? You know, we had an answer for it. Mm-hmm. You know, about our came out double platinum independent. You know, we had an answer for it. So right. you know, I'm glad. I'm glad it went like that. Yeah. You know, now <laughs> when we look back, you know what I'm saying. But like I said, I I've I, over the years I met some real solid dudes from the East Coast, from mm-hmm. New York, and and, and you know around, you know, and um, I feel like they more than made it up on the second album.
0: And, you know, definitely you've, which we'll be getting to too later in the episode, I mean, you worked extensively with a lot of them, mm-hmm. uh, Fat Joe among them, of course. But yeah. um, back to the, uh, based on a true story, you know, right off of the bow down, I just always thought the Mac-10, Mac-10, playing off the Roxanne, Roxanne was hilarious in the sense that, I was always of a belief from, at this point, getting to know artists and getting to know things a little better that there was never the animosity that the media made it out to be because here you
1: are doing a UTFO song. Yeah, it wasn't never. UTFO was the shit they was knocking. Of course. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but uh, it wasn't never about those kind of people. It was about the critics and, mm-hmm. and you know, program directors and stuff like that. You know, it wasn't never right. really nothing... Only people we went at at West Side Connection was whoever went at us personally. Right. You know what I'm saying? But but we didn't put the record together like aiming at artists. Like, you know, Roxanne Roxanne was the shit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, UTFO was the shit, period. Right. You know, so I didn't never, um discriminate like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I would give credit where credit is due. But I had a problem with who didn't think we was fresh, you know, who didn't think that we was uh, deserving of spins or whatever because SoundScan didn't say that. Right.
0: (laughs) Told a very different story. Yeah. A very different story. We sold a lot of records. Yeah. And I think based on a true story also, uh, back to the difference, I thought, you know, of course there's a lot of very hard elements on there, but even like the Englewood swinging, shout out to Bobcat on that one. But I really – thought that was another song that uh, that's the Hollywood Swinging, of course, the mm. sample on that with Cool and the Gang. But I really liked that too because it was again, this you paying homage to classic material, just e. as you had done with UTFO. So for you, um, at this point in the game, why were you thinking, like, oh man, if I use these type of songs in this, this
1: celebratory way, that it's, it's going to really connect with people? Well, I was just expressing myself, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I didn't ever look at it like that. Like, man, I think they'd like if I use this this beat right here or whatever, like, I just, I was just doing me. So like, I, I was just expressing myself and, you know, a lot of my records really just came from just ideas. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what I'm saying, I might have heard Hollywood swinging, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and sung and it said, Inglewood swinging, you know what I'm saying, I said, oh, oh that's <laughs> one right there. Somebody make this beat for me. Right. You know what I'm saying? I need this right here. You know what I'm saying? I need to, you know, so that's how I, that's how I, a lot of it really came together. It was just, honestly, man, it was just, you know what I'm saying? I was just being creative. Right. But it worked.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Backyard Boogie's on there as well, mm-hmm. which is, I would say, your biggest solo song. I would say so. Yeah. And that one, um, I thought, was another great record. Uh, and... I also thought it was interesting because the the boogie thing, of course, Gangsters dan- gangsters Don't Dance, We Boogie, is mm-hmm. like such a big deal, and then of course, all the sets got their different dances and stuff. Yeah. So why why on the dance side is um, things always so interesting with like hardcore gangster rap artists from the West Coast?
1: I mean, because I just said it when I was young, you know what I'm saying, Gangsters Don't Dance, We Boogie, man, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It sounds so much doper, you know, gangster boogie. You feel me? It mm-hmm. What you gonna say? The gangster dance? You know what I'm saying? It don't. <laughs> it don't. It don't. It don't even roll out right. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, shit, man. And um, gangsters don't dance. with boogie was actually something that me and the homies made up in my neighborhood. Like when we was doing swap Me tapes, like mm-hmm. way before West Side Connect was even thought of. We was saying that shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I just 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 start saying it to the world. You know, but that was some shit that was uh that we were saying already right you know
0: mm. okay and then with the success now you've had two gold albums and bow down with west side connections gone platinum plus mm-hmm. and this to me is where in addition to liking your music, I started being like, Oh man, Max really got a lot going on in the sense that you started working on thicker than water. Yeah. You started signing artists, you started mm. having deals at multiple labels. Mm. So what was it what was it mentally that either clicked, was it purely opportunity? Like what was happening to where you started branching out in such a major way?
1: Well I mean it's funny, like I've always cared more and concentrated more like I said on the business side. Mm-hmm. The creative side was just easy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was just doing me the creative side just opened doors for me and I used it as a stepping stone, you know what I'm saying? I was always more interested in the business though. <laughs> always. Like yeah. ask anybody that know me like oh, I know. Always, you know what I'm saying? So I just used the artist as the, uh, vehicle as just a you know a, a, a way for me to get from point A to point B, you know what I'm saying? So so I was trying to grow as an executive. And so I started making executive moves, you know what I'm saying? I started doing movies and signing artists and, you know, to this label, that label. You know, like I had deals everywhere. So, you know, hey, man, I, I just tried to boss up and become a boss. And why do you think
0: a lot of artists are unable or find it difficult to separate the art and the business sides of things.
1: Because a lot of dudes is just always just going to be artists. They can't separate it because they ain't nothing but
0: artists.
1: Mm. You can't separate it if all you are is an artist. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, like I said, man, I was always looking for somebody that was doper than me mm. or that I felt like could sell more records than me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if, 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 You know, that was always the goal. You yeah. know, and a lot of guys don't really want nobody to be bigger than them. You know, it, it, if if I could have had a couple artists that was big as Mac Ten, you know, I would have been. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 I was satisfied. Right, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then with the film Thicker Than Water, which I think is one of the best, uh, I guess you want to say rapper made movies of, <laughs> of all time. I guess. But that, yeah. what did you learn about yourself? In that process of making that film from creation to actually seeing it come out
1: um I learned that um the process of making a movie was a lot different than making videos
0: yeah much longer and <laughs> more difficult much longer,
1: more <laughs> difficult mm-hmm. and that was the first time I ever really got a chance to bond for real for real with like some New York dudes, you know what I'm saying Fat Joe. Yeah, Joe had his whole crew out here though. Oh, I remember. I went the whole the terror set. Squad was out here. I it wasn't just Joe out here. Now, Joe was out here deep, man. He had he had all the whole Bronx was out here, man. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, hey, but we hung out. I'm talking about we hung out for real and kicked it and, and became like a real family and that's still my brother to this day.
0: Yeah, I remember um, the funny thing was is that when I was, uh, when I had gone to the set a couple times and I told people where it was, they were like, you went there by yourself during oh, yeah, that's
1: the day. Tight. Yeah, that's tight. Yeah,
0: I was like, yeah, I'm I'm going to the yeah. movie. They're like, Soren, man, you shouldn't be going down there. What was it in the, like the forties, I think?
1: And we we we, we was everywhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We was everywhere for real, and um, in the hoods for real. Oh, I know. You know, shooting t- that movie and Joe them hung man. They, they, you know what I'm saying? They they, hey man, them dudes is stand up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's them Them is my brothers, man, for real. Terror Squad is my guys. Yeah, and, you know, I thought it had a good story, had good acting and stuff,
0: and then, of course, you had the Cube, had a little cameo in mm-hmm. there, and 8, and everybody else that was, you know, part of the Who Bangin' movement, mm-hmm. and what was it about Fat Joe that you think made you guys work so well together?
1: Um... He was just the kind of guy that I was. Mm-hmm. But... He was just from New York, you know what I'm saying. It was like we was like the same kind of dudes, you know. He stood for what he stood for, you know, and I stood for what I stood for, you know what I'm saying. But he was just from New York, mm-hmm. but we had a lot in common, you know what I'm saying. And 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 it, and it really worked out. Like a lot of people don't know, um, Thicket and Water really at first was gonna be me and Snoop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You probably knew that. Don't you? I knew that, but yeah,
0: I'll tell the story though. Yeah, Please. yeah. I mean. <laughs>
1: It just didn't work out right, you know. Snoop was going to No Limit, and, and you know all that kind of stuff. So, like, I, I guess the timing just didn't 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 work out right, you know. But mm-hmm. um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, me and Craig made a classic. Mm-hmm. You feel me? I'm 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 I'm, you know, um, it worked.
0: Well, speaking of No Limit, I think it's important, and I meant to set the table with this being mm-hmm. in on about it. Um, obviously Master masterpiece film, which really kicked off the wave of the direct-to-video movie, not only in rap, but I think really in all of Hollywood, mm-hmm. that people realized probably for the first time in that era, like, wait a minute, we could make a movie, put it out straight to video at that time. Sell it like a record. Sell it like a record, yeah. um, whether it was a major studio like a Paramount or a Sony or a Columbia, and still flip the money in ways that they probably didn't realize they could. yeah. And Master P revolutionized that, and you, you know, being as part of that film, like, how did watching and being there with I'm about it impact you as far as creating and executing Thicker Than Water?
1: I mean, it 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 didn't have nothing to do with my creativity, mm-hmm. you know, or or creating Thicker Than Water, but um, it just let me know that everybody was down. You know what I'm saying? The record company was down. Right. You know, if this is what I want to do, oh, I see how people. Okay, you know, so now we got another outlet. You know what I'm saying? And I was all about using all the arteries. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was all about using all the outlets that we could possibly use. You know, to to you know all the different revenue streams, and you know, uh, the straight the video movies became another uh, revenue stream for me. You know, mm-hmm. so hey man, you know, uh, if 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 if, if if you show me, if you give me a lane, you know, I, I, I'm i going to take it. Mac, I think it's important for people to understand
0: some of the different revenue streams that are involved in the entertainment world, whether they're actually trying to get in the game or there are people like us that are established that may not understand a lot of the different ways that you can get paid. So for you, what are like some of the surprising ways that you learned you could get paid or you didn't understand
1: in music or life, both well um I've done good in music, but i but I've done well in real estate as well, you know what I'm saying um I got a a a, a company called Sound Live Music Group, you know, and I'll do concerts, you know, so right. I've done well with that, but that's still the music business, you know what I'm saying, but as a youngster. I wish I thought how I think now when it mm-hmm. come to, to to doing concerts. If if I knew what I knew now, I, I mean, I would have booked myself a, a million times, <laughs> you know, right. when, when when we had platinum records. You know what I'm saying? So, but you live and you learn, and and, and like me getting into the concert uh, side of this business was kind of like a natural transition, you know, mm-hmm. from just my past, you know, as a as an artist you know, as a label owner, you know, just everything I've learned over the 25-year career I had, you know, to where, um, you know, I was able to use all that, all the things that I learned over the years. I was able to put it all together, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I've done well in this space because of that. You know, I, I, in, in six, seven, eight years, you know, I've passed people that have been doing this 30 years, you know what I'm saying, so, you know, i I, I I figured it out a little bit.
0: Yes, and also with real estate, um, you know, obviously the L.A. market is very expensive, but Mm -hmm. for people listening around the world, what are some of the ways that you started getting into real estate that someone that maybe is not making tons and tons of money could could learn and apply to what's going on with them?
1: Well, the real estate game was introduced to me um, just by, like, I would, like, get houses and, and 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 do them over and like fix them up, you know, renovate them. Mm-hmm. And then every time I would finish one, it seemed like somebody would like try to buy it. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? They'd be like, "Hey, you want to sell it?" You know what I'm saying? I'm like, "Nah, like I I, I, didn't, I, didn't, just I, didn't, people... I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't do it to to sell it. Like, you know, maybe my real estate agent knew somebody else that had a client or something like, "Hey, I got a client that just finished the house over here. He might sell it." You know what I'm saying? I'm like, "Nah, you know, but then they would always offer me enough money to where I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> like, I, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about selling it, but okay, you know. Mm-hmm. And so then I just turned that into a business. That felt good. Mm-hmm. And then so I started approaching it like that. Like, okay, this one is a flip. Or or this one, I'm going to get this and renovate it and rent it out, you know, or lease it out. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it just became a business, mm-hmm. you know. And um, it was just something that I enjoy. You know, I like putting things together, you know, building cars and building, you know, so— it was it's, as, as as part of like the, you know that that artist side of me. You know what I'm saying. I like putting things together. That could be the recipe.
0: Yeah. The next album. Yeah. Yeah. And that <laughs> one, um, you know, I thought was interesting for a, a number of different reasons. Mainly because of coming off of, you know, West Side Connection, and then the and then the movie going on at around the same time, uh, the production of the movie, I should say, Thicker Than Water. You had the Fat Joes, you had the Foxy Browns and the Old Dirty Bastards, and you had a mm-hmm. lot of the, the East Coast artists on there, even Jermaine Dupri from New York, even though he was based in Atlanta. And that one I really liked. The You know, your music, I think, has always been, even when you've been more laid back, uh, delivery style, it's always been very aggressive and very confident. But I thought the recipe, because of some of the posse cuts and the C.J. Mack records and those type of things that had more of that like confrontational attitude that maybe was more on the Mac 10 album and not as much on, um, uh, based on a true story. Do do you think that's right or accurate? Um,
1: I never really looked at it like that. You know what I'm saying? But like, when, 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 when you look at a movie or listen to an album or whatever, you know, like, it's all personal opinion, like about stuff. You know, that's that's what you got from it. Right. You know, I never really looked at it like that, but if you say it like that, I could I I could see where you where, where you could say like is is more similar to that mm-hmm. than than the Mac Ten record. Right. Mac Ten record was raw, dog. You know what I'm saying? Very, like like, very like 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 some of them raps, man. I had since I was probably 16 years old or something. You know what I'm saying? And when 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 you do your first album. You get a chance to put all that, all that stuff that you thought of as a kid, and all that's on that first album. They say it's your whole life. Yeah, on yeah the first, album. yeah, that's like all that. You know, what I'm saying on them things and all, man, them records was years old. Man, they was old by the mm-hmm. time I put them out. Like I had wrote that, I probably was seventeen or something. Man, you know what okay. I'm saying? But uh, you 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 on your first record, that's how it go though. Right, it's your whole life story.
0: And then how did you notice by the time you get to the recipe that you're what you looked for in beats? How did it evolve? How did it stay the same? Like what was going on?
1: Music was just always a feeling to me. I just did it however I felt it. Okay. You know, a couple of beats I picked. Nobody else probably wouldn't have picked. Um, Backyard Boogie. Bobcat had that beat damn near 100% done when I bought it. And everybody had heard that beat. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I but, remember you had told me. Yeah, I yeah, I think that's a
0: good story because I had to have it. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I remember
1: you said he was playing it or something. You're like, hey, I need that. Yeah. I need that. Yeah. So why? Took him out in the back and wrote him a check. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Let me just get this one off the market right now. I need this. <laughs> yeah.
0: And with Bobcat, you know, he's, uh, I think, a very underrated and underappreciated guy, having done, you know, early stuff with LL Cool J. And then, of course, working with Cube and yourself and Tupac, among many others, what um, what do you think it is about Bobcat as a producer that's so distinctive or so interesting?
1: Bob is a real DJ, man. Mm -hmm. When when you rap on his beats or when he producing a record for you, everything about him is like a DJ, like it's a real DJ. Bob gonna get the party cracking, you feel me? So. He was an older homie too, so 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 you know, um, I was somebody that 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 I grew up, you know, looking at and paying attention to. You know what I'm saying. So when I got a chance to work with him, it was a real honor. And um, you know, Bob did like my biggest record. I think you know what I'm saying. No, he did. Yeah.
0: No, I think it's uh, it's very interesting because he's worked with such a wide range of artists, but then also. You know, with Backyard Boogie, with Bigger and deffer with LL Cool J, Death Certificate with Q. I mean, he's just um, Tupac's second album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just done so many huge uh, records that, you know, are just amazing with such a wide range of artists mm-hmm. from different backgrounds, different styles, different sounds that oh, yeah. I think, you know, it's just always amazed me. Yeah, Bob,
1: the, Bob. Bob always been... Uh, He's a real music guy, you're a real he a real, real hip hop dude, you know what I'm saying? A real DJ for real. Like right. a real one.
0: No, oh, I know. That's yeah. that's what's always impressed me. And he's very versatile.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, 'cause I need love was Bobcat. Cat. You yeah. know, there's
1: And Bobcat, like, man, Bob one of them dudes that'll like argue you down in the studio about something that he feel about a record. You know what I'm saying? hold on. You know, Bob gonna voice his opinion about it too though. Mm-hmm. Well, me and Bob had a whole lot of arguments over here. It's like, you know, doing records, but that's my guy. And, and, and like, you know, the records come out like magic, you know.
0: Right. And then um, as your career progressed too, obviously there was more and more uh, bloods getting into the game. That was something that you helped popularize with Quick and everything. So with that, like, what do you think made it catch on, like, later Per se, as far as people looking at it and embracing it and endorsing it so much,
1: I I really don't know, man. They probably just like that drip. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they just liked how the v dogs did it. Okay. You know, I guess. Um, it definitely wasn't nothing that that I got into the game and said, okay, I'm gonna make everybody this or I'm gonna do. You know, it wasn't nothing like that. I was just expressing where I was from. Right. Now, if you happen to like it, you happen to like it you happen not to like it, you just happen not to like it. But I'm from Englewood, man, and so, you know, I didn't have nothing else to talk about other than that. And right. and, and you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I, just, I just did me and just told it from Mac 10's perspective. And, you know, it was just one of them things that the world caught on to, and, I, you know, I guess they liked it.
0: Clearly. Um, <laughs> clearly, because the YG remix, of course, yeah. uh, of the more recent, uh collaborations that you've done with the artists yeah. that came after you mm-hmm. like that one i think was cool to see yg pay homage to like you and quick and, and big y but yeah. then at the same time i think it also showed like yo mac is still here and still
1: still yeah. getting it you know yeah, yeah, yeah in a yeah, major yeah. way <laughs> yeah that was a good record man you know shout out to the little homie yg that's my little guy man that's my homeboy for real and uh um you know, if you get on that subject matter, you know I, I could go with the best if we gonna do that on the record. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so you know, like I said, that one was a that was easy. That was that was second nature. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying?
0: Well, uh, speaking of second nature, one of the other things uh, on one of the albums that I remember I took a little visit to Atlanta to come see for the Banger Ball project, mm-hmm. and um, you know the. The album, I thought, was very interesting, especially because with Manny Fresh handling the majority of the project, mm-hmm. I wanted you to speak about what was different um, with him handling most of it, because a lot of your records have a lot of different producers, and he, you know, did the majority of that project.
1: Well, Fresh was is great. He wanted it great as ever. You know what I'm saying? So he could handle it. Mm-hmm. Doing the majority of it. You know, I mixed it up with a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little Dr. Dr. Dre. I was about to you say, know what Dr. I'm saying? Because I had to put the coast in there somewhere, you know what I'm saying, just to keep it authentic, like Mac 10. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't just do a record with no West Coast producers or no nothing, you know. So the West Side Connect was on there and Dr. Dre was on there. But Manny Fresh is one of the greatest and like that was the quickest I ever did an album. And I did that album in two weeks, bro. hmm. Yeah, bang a ball from the st- from start to finish, homie. Two weeks. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And like that's just the way Fresh work, though. You know what I'm saying? I would cook three, four a day. <laughs> you know, because that's just the way he, he 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 That's the way he spit them out. And right. You know, I had to learn how to do that. You know, I wanted to work in their element. I went out there and worked with them, and you you know with Cash Money, and did it how they how they did it. And you know, the whole record got done in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And
0: I also thought. Um which is going to make me have to go back because there's so much that we've been talking about. But the thing that I also liked was that you guys, as West Side Connection, have been making records for several years. But I also thought that Connected for Life is one of my actual favorite songs of your guys. Yeah, it's a Um, record. That that record is so phenomenal. And I think part of it is because of Manny Fresh because he brought such a different sonic element to it.
1: When Fresh was doing that record, he told me it was gonna be the shit. He said it gotta be the shit. He was like, This oh, this is my first West Side Connect record. Oh, this motherfucker gotta be the shit. You know, that's how Fresh talked. That's what he said. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh I can remember that like yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um he was like, But I wanted the sound had that like West kind of like Western kind of sound to it. I, I like, huh? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't quite get it. Okay. When he cooked it, I said, Oh, okay, Fresh, you the shit for this one, homie. And that's what yeah. you say on there, Yeah. <laughs> Manny Fresh, one of the greatest.
0: Yeah. And that one also, it just, um, sonically, because it was so different, mm-hmm. it just really threw me off. But then, like, I really love the attitude and the interplay that you guys had on there. And I think it, I think it really brought something different out of you guys. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. yeah. It really worked. Uh, no, that song, and yeah. the video was great, of course. Yeah, it good video. And then, uh, Butch Cassidy, um... So what? how did Butch Cassidy get into the mix with that song? Was that Manny Fresh, was that one of you guys, was that you?
1: Nah, it was it was me putting Butch on there. Okay. I just knew it needed some more of that. Fresh had already did the beat. Mm. So it just needed, let me, we put the the connect on there, and it was this one missing element. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It would've either been Butch or Nate, you feel me? And so that one, Bush got the call. We okay. called Bush number on that one. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, um, it worked. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It worked.
0: Mac, you know, you've done a lot of great things. And one of the other things that we haven't talked about, because I got sidetracked with some of these other things, was a Nothing But a cabbie hit and the Rhyme and Reason movie and then soundtrack. So, now that rap is, you know, been established, and we're seeing all these movies and documentaries and TV shows and reality shows and all these different things. Rhyme and Reason was one of the earlier ones, and you know, you being on the soundtrack on probably the biggest song on the soundtrack, nothing but the Cavi hit. Um, what did you see that's different about how that movie and that soundtrack was made versus how you saw things later on as they evolved and rap just kept growing and growing
1: and growing? Well, Mm, like you said, Rhyme and Reason was was early, mm-hmm. and so everything that got bigger, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. It just got broader. You know the movies, the hip hop movies, and all that just got bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, right. rappers became real movie stars. You know what I'm saying. But Rhyme and Reason was a, was a, was a, was a good one. That was like a a, a hell of a documentary, huh?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So. I remember shooting that like, <laughs> like I remember that like yesterday for real, and like a lot of stuff that was that long ago you really can't remember. But like rhyme reason was was the whole experience of it was cool, yeah. you know, shooting it and and recording the record.
0: And then at that time, you know, in the late '90s, Priority, because of the success of Eazy-E, Ruthless, N.W.A., Cube, yourself, Westside Connection, had brought in you know, the raucuses of the world, the Duck Downs and Raz and all these different artists that were prominent, Brother Lin Chung, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So as you saw Priority grow and develop and then with No Limit, of course, um, what were you seeing? How did Priority change and evolve from what you saw on the business side to where it was able to kind of have all these different type of artists and still thrive?
1: Nothing really changed, bro. You really? know what I'm saying? Okay. Not, not, not. Not really. Um, it became our time. Hmm. Like Brian had a good batch right then. You know what I'm saying? He had us, he had Cube, me, uh, Master P or the whole no limit, you know, crew. He had man, he had everybody, you know what I'm saying? It was just it jailed, you know, like anything else. Once you get like a couple of hot artists or hot records, you know, your label become hot. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and, and artists start flocking, artists and managers and agents, and everybody, you know, they, they they, 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 you know what I'm saying? They circling your building now. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? And so that's how it went, really, you know. But um, it was always a great environment for making records. It, it, I feel bad some of these young guys are never get a chance to experience, like, a real record label-like priority where you could go up there. And it was a one-stop shop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I'm saying? They was a distributor. They was everything.
0: Well, actually, it's funny you say that because in my book that just came out, The History of Gangster Rap, I talk about the benefit that Priority had being a distributor and being a record label and working with the different labels that, you know, Dave Weiner, of course, was the one who signed Master P and No Mm -hmm. Limit and got that all going. And it was just amazing once I became part of the music industry to understand even – a deeper level of appreciation for what Priority did and and being so successful. It's just, like, astounding uh, the success and the sustained success that it had for so many years.
1: Oh, yeah, and, and it was unorthodox. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was a little different from everywhere else. Right. You know, um, it was a good feeling to know that we could sell a half a million or a million records and get paid and get money like dudes that sold four or five million records <laughs> right you know what i'm saying so hey priority was a was a good situation bro
0: well you should speaking of that i always remember too uh when it was at the cnn building on sunset yeah. going in there and it was like a bank vault speaking of money yeah. <laughs> yeah. so like what was uh for me, it was just crazy going in there because literally, people—if if you never saw it and never get to see a picture of it—when you had to go in, it literally looked like a um, a bank vault.
1: Um, you got to get buzzed in. All, get that, buzzed all that, all that, all the doors look metal on the outside. All the yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that was wild, and that was like actually the first time I came to L.A. was for Bow Down hmm. to interview you guys, and um, I remember. It was so funny, because I remember when I asked you guys about um, Pete Rock producing The bitch in You, and you guys were like, well, he didn't do the rap, so we ain't got a problem with Pete Rock. Yeah. <laughs> I was always like, yeah. well wait, that's part of the song. <laughs> yeah, We yeah.
1: if you said something out of line, we was coming for you. Right. You know, Pete Rock, he didn't say nothing out of line. Pete <laughs> Rock, he, he made the music. Fair enough. Yeah.
0: And then um so now Mac of course you've uh worked with a lot of artists and, and obviously the YG of course and now um, I understand that you're working on some new stuff is that yeah, true
1: Yeah my new album the red print
0: Okay we'll break it down what's going on with the red print
1: Just what it sounds like Mhm the red print you know what I'm saying is uh I'm just having fun though you know what I'm saying like it's a I have a different approach to doing this record. This this record, I don't need to do a record. I'm, you know, I don't have to, like, turn my record in at a certain time or nothing like that. It's just, I'm just having fun. Mm-hmm. And I call it the red print because I just want to do it, like, through MAC-10's lens again, you know what I'm saying? Just since I'm having fun, I want to make the kind of records that I miss. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It, you, 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 you don't really hear those kind of records that we made then, you know, now. Right, so I'm gonna give you a couple of those because you know, obviously we were pretty good at those. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I, I um, really, it's just, it's it's just, I'm just doing me, and that's why I named it the Red Print. Is you know, I'm 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 doing it how I know how to do it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So anybody that ever liked Mac Ten is gonna be very pleased with this project because you know how sometimes you get a dude's racking and be like, Man, I wish he was like the old this and that, or I wish right, he would have right. did this like this, like he you all of that. All of that what you looking for, that's on the red print.
0: Okay. And then for obviously, sure. obviously that that title is uh for those that know. But that being said, um and being a prominent gangster rapper yourself and dealing with gangster rap, et cetera, et cetera, why do you think it is why was southern california los angeles area gangster rap gang members all this other stuff why was that so interesting to people do you think and why is it still so interesting
1: shit we was off the chain like i mean that was that's unbelievable if you would never experienced that mm-hmm. and then you know in the 90s we got a chance to put it on the screen and through and on records you know and introduce it to the world it's damn show sure action, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was a lot of action involved, you know. So that made it interesting, everybody. I mean, you know, the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we wear our clothes, you know, what we represent. You know, it's 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 a little different. You could tell a dude from L.A. wherever he had in the world, he said a few words, or you could see the way he might stand or something. You know what I'm saying? You just you know he from L.A. You know what I'm saying? So, hey man, I, you know. We, we was just interested in everybody, you Mm -hmm. know, It, it worked.
0: Yeah. And it, it definitely, it definitely did. And that, that was a testament to the longevity of your career, the success of, you know, all your solo projects, but then of course, West Side Connection and your success in all your other various endeavors over the years. And, um, what's, uh, you know, in general what's a collaboration that we haven't talked about that, that, Was special
1: to you for some reason? Uh, collaboration. Um, hmm. I don't know. I mean, I collab with Cuban Dub, Mm -hmm. and that was always just special because it was like a hell of a relay team. Like we was handing the baton off to each other. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that was always special. You know, I probably had more fun collabing with, with 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 my people than 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 anything than anybody outside, you know. Right.
0: Okay. Well there it is, y'all. It's uh Mac Ten here on the Soren Baker show. So Mac, tell everybody how they can find you on social media.
1: You know, I really don't uh get down like that really, really. But I know. everybody <laughs> been telling me to like cut it on, cut it on. I mean, you know, I'm I, I said all right, for this album I'm gonna cut it on. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be uh um uh, at Westside Mac Ten okay yeah that's the instagram
0: yes and make sure you follow us uh follow me soren baker at soren baker s-o-r-e-n-b-a-k-e-r and unique access ent we appreciate you guys listening in mac 10 thank you for coming through sir
1: all good homie yes yes much love
0: soren baker show we're out all right well thanks for tuning in to unique access with soren baker i appreciate your guys support Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and however you guys checked out this episode of Unique Access with Soren Baker. Also, if you haven't already, please pick up the copies of my two most recent books, The History of Gangster Rap and The Gucci Man Guide to Greatness with Gucci Man. You can find both of those books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at the independent bookstore near you. And of course, you could also check them out at your library. And if any of those places don't have them, please request them. And most importantly, thank you so much for listening to Unique Access with Soren Baker, however you listen to us. And please subscribe so we get into your feed. Hit us with that like and hit us with the five stars, 10 stars, 100 stars, whatever's the highest they got on this platform. But we appreciate your guys' support and look forward to you checking us out on the next episode. Want your business to have the best opportunity for success?